Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, suspects, and deadites. What you're about to hear is a clip from our exclusive Patreon episode on Larry Cohen's 1985 sci-fi horror comedy classic, The Stuff. How do you hear the full thing? Become a member of our Patreon, The Rewind. You can find a link in the description of this episode, or you can visit patreon.com backslash Halloweeniespod. Hope to see you there so we can give you one more scare. We could do an entire spinoff series on Larry Cohen's life. I'm, I'm not even joking. We could go on for years and years. It's really not hyperbole to say that. Um, he's prolific. That's an understatement. This is a guy who was essentially born to be in this industry. Uh, the kind of Hollywood icon that Tarantino might put in one of his movies. A visionary cut from a cloth. They really just don't make anymore in Hollywood or any industry for that matter. Um, what, what are your? Th- wouldn't you'd agree with that, Vanderbilt, right? I mean, Mac. Like, what, what about? Uh, th- he seems to be an anomaly these days, right? I'm fascinated with Larry Cohen. Well, I am fascinated. Like, I think I'm going to compare Larry Cohen to Prince here for a moment mm-hmm. because I think he's one parts equal, like born into him talent. Yeah, but yeah. also he put in all the work required to make it. Because he started on television, he created yep. shows, he wrote work for shows. And when you watch that documentary, he talks about not getting credited on certain programs, but not letting that bother him because he knew that they had gotten them a good start. I think NYPD was one of the shows where they really didn't get, he felt he didn't get enough credit, but he didn't care because he knew that got him started in the industry and allowed him to do everything else that he wanted to do. Yeah. And I don't, and he never stopped. Yeah. Because there's oh, so no. much stuff out there that you don't know that Larry Cohen wrote he wrote episodes of nypd blue oh i'll go through all of this real quick it's alive and it just kind of a workaholic but never seems stressed by it whenever you see him in interviews he's just i think one of the most so lax yeah yeah, something i was just talking about with um katie rife uh formerly of the av club we were just talking about how I think a lot of people these days, filmmakers, writers, just have a lack of a sense of humor. And it's not about oh, telling yeah. jokes and it's not about, you know, laughing at comedians, but just kind of having a, that vibe about mm-hmm. them, about not taking too, things too seriously. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think, honestly, that's the case with everyone nowadays. I mean, that's why I don't think you could really find a great comedy of the last five or six years. Um, other than maybe game night or something, but anyway, everybody loves that one, and I refuse to watch it. <laughs> I like it; it's <laughs> fun. You know, it's, I'm it's pretty fun. It's yeah, fun. It's pretty fun. Right. Um, but look, if you're looking for a deeper dive on Cohen, I definitely definitely check out a documentary I quasi referenced earlier, King Cohen. Um, it's fabulous. I've watched it at least five times through. Mike, you said it's on Tubi right now. Right? It's streaming on the the world's greatest streaming service next to the Vanderplex. The Vanderplex. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but it's, it's basically his entire life story as told by him in his home. He's sitting in a gold One chair. of his homes. You know, I met One him. of his homes. Yeah. You I know, I met the... him once. Oh, did you really? So when I was at Fantastic Fest a couple years back, they were premiering the King Cohen documentary and I just kept bumping. I, I was, I did interview him eventually, me and Matt Wedge, who I have to give a shout out to of Daily, Matt Wedge of Daily Grindhouse is the Larry Cohen expert. The next time we do a Larry Cohen, oh, one, we should have got him on. Damn we, it! We, I, you know, I didn't even think about it. I, shame on me, but we'll bring him on for another one. Okay. Um, but I kept bumping into Larry Cohen. I opened the door for him once, and he had some quippy remark. But my favorite, like, oh, I would have never gotten through if it wasn't for you, or something like that. Just always on. Then I bump into him in the men's room, and we started talking about Chicago steakhouses. Uh, that he liked because he has he had a place in Chicago he had a place in New York and a place in Los Angeles that's how much money Larry Cohen had Jesus 
Yeah, it's. I, I mean, think it was just it, because he was always working. And he just always kinda, was, and always just, and probably savvy with investments as well. Well, you could definitely. I mean, honestly, what I've learned over the years is that learning about Larry Cohen is almost is almost more entertaining than it is watching his movies. Um, and I, that's not a slight on him. It's just because he's just such an enigmatic person, as you just mentioned, Mike. I mean, I definitely go seek out his interview also on Gilbert Gottfried's show. Um, he, who, who also just left us. Um, but he shares so many stories. There's, there's actually one where he talks about how they had a funeral reception for Bernard Herrmann um, at one of his houses. And he actually made like Scorsese and De Palma and De Niro um, essentially pretend they were Jewish because it was, you know, it's, it was a, you know, a Jewish funeral and all. So anyway, um, I'm going to try to, I'm going to do a quick rundown just to kind of give you, you know, just to catch up on some of the, the deadites that, that don't know, uh, Larry Cohen. So you could understand why we're talking about this movie, because I really think you need to know who Larry Cohen was, at least have an understanding of him before you can kind of understand why the, the stuff is so, um, uh, impressionable. Uh, so I'll try to keep it quick, but you know, yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, 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 it's last yeah, words. right. Uh, all right. Well, so an old school New York Jew, the best of the bunch, Cohen cut his teeth by fibbing his age and writing scripts for the NBC television network beginning in the late 50s. What started with the Kraft Television Theater eventually led to Checkmate, Sam Benedict, The Fugitive, The Defenders, Espionage. If it had cops and dicks and lawyers, odds are Cohen's name was somewhere on it. By the mid 60s. He would he have already, written for Bounty Law, probably. Oh, well, this is that's what I was going to get at. So <laughs> he had already created some of his own shows, Branded, which is certainly like bandy, bounty law like i feel like bounty law was kind of like a, a callback to to branded um in a way but anyway the, in addition to being a callback to bounty law branded also is part of one of the greatest jokes one of the greatest in joke in movie jokes ever which is in the big lebowski um when they go to one of the writers houses and uh walter's like oh he wrote the bulk of, of uh branded 158 episodes which is really a joke because there's only like 40 episodes in the show anyway. Uh, but it's just such a deep cut joke that I just appreciate it even more. But uh, so in addition to Brandon, he did Blue Light, Coronet Blue, and The Invaders. But at the same time, he's kind of finding a seat at the table in Hollywood and by writing a few of, of the films of his own. He did Return of the Seven, uh, starring Yul Brenner, yes. uh, Ideal in Danger with Robert Goulet, uh, the horror film Scream Baby Scream for Joseph Adler. He even finds room to make a Western, uh, or another Western, if you're considering branded, uh, with El Condor featuring the great Jim Brown. Uh, and then that takes him to the 70s when we meet Larry Cohen, the director. And oddly enough, uh, he makes a name for himself with black exploitation films. But you know, uh, that's, that's very on brand. You mentioned him being a New York, you know, the best of the New York Jews. Like a lot of the directors of the black exploitation pictures were Jewish directors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, it, it, it I mean, they, they were othered also, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. You know, so especially in Hollywood, especially old school Hollywood, um, you know, everyone always likes to kind of say that, oh, you know, the Jews run Hollywood, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, well, that wasn't really the case in the 30s and 40s. <laughs> um, anyway. They so, do now, but. Well, yeah, I mean, true. Uh, so 1972's Bone. Uh, which is actually a New World Pictures release. So we'll, again, we'll talk about soon. Uh, 1973's Black Caesar and 1973's Hell Up in Harlem. Uh, these are steeped in crime, which makes sense given his television background. Three good ones, too. Yeah? Bo it's, Bo Bone's Bone? got Yafit Koho, right? Yeah, Bone is uh, Bone is uh, interesting. Bone is a wild one. Uh, Black Caesar's just like... When I first watched Black Caesar, I kind of was taken aback by it because a lot of black exploitation is kind of silly and wild and 
focuses on like uh you know just sillier kind of black caesar is 100 percent just a serious crime film that just happens to have an all-black cast jesus and yeah I, 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 when i was first getting into black exploitation as a young man i didn't quite understand i was expecting something more like dolomite i yeah. suppose yeah and i got you know like a true uh died in the wool crime drama black caesar's great yeah mac have you seen these I haven't. I, this is like a blind spot for me, and I've got to get on it. Yeah, and yeah. I, I feel like most of these have got to be on, on like Tubi. Yeah, or at least streaming free on Prime. Yeah. Uh, and Hell Up in Harlem is the sequel to Black Caesar. <laughs> okay. uh, that's pretty good, too. Well, it's interesting because, you know, right after he does Hell Up in Harlem, he follows it up with arguably his biggest movie um, at the time, which was in one of his most iconic works, which is It's Alive. And. It's a horror movie, straight up horror movie for the most part. I mean, there's definitely some more tongue-in-cheek notions to it, but for the most part, it's a pretty straightforward horror movie. Um, but it's a huge upgrade because it's distributed by Warner Brothers and even features a score, as I mentioned, Bernard Herrmann. Um, great score, by the way. Um, what are what are our thoughts on It's Alive, actually? Just just real quick, because I you know I don't want to go too much because you know we are talking about the stuff. But It's Alive is one of his most notable works. Um, yes or no on this one, Mike? Yes. What are you, what are you, yes. Yeah. One of my favorites. It's, oh, really? Interesting. It's, okay. It's good and gory, and it's just so bizarre. It is and bizarre. Yeah. I kind of like, I just like the notion of, it, it, I feel like it's trying to say something about how, about unconditional love for your children. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And also pretty, pretty ahead of its time in just saying that, like, you know, having a kid can ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true i mean no one i mean it's it's 100 percent true but but like no one ever wants to admit that like you know oh yeah no you're you're de- you're, you're basically dedicating your life to someone else forever like that's that's the the, the, the the true case of it i mean he pretty much i mean the well, one thing at least 18 years right well yeah if you really want to believe that but i mean my, my dad still has to deal with me as a headache but oh yeah i'm um, 42 yeah, my parents you know. my mom's still dealing still yeah still hassling me about shit. right it never ends. <laughs> Mac, what, have you seen It's Alive? I, I haven't. Is this oh, on Tubi as well? <laughs> no, it's on. You have to rent it on Amazon Prime. I think you'd like it. I mean, the, first off, the score is great. Oh, no, like I've it, always wanted to see oh, it. Oh, yeah. Mac, you'd love these movies. Well, it's one of those VHS covers I remember seeing a billion times in the in the, the video stores and always wanted to one rent the, it, and I just never did. One yeah. of the great all-time TV spots trailers. Oh, what is what is it? Is it's it just, just the, 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 the basket turning around and then the, the little hand... Oh, nice. Hand oh, the little hand comes oh, up. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Fuck. It's good. That was, that was actually- Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.